Before we begin this episode, I would like to acknowledge that it was spoken and recorded on the ancestral lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I would like to pay my respects to any elders past, present or emerging who may be listening and to point out that we are continuing an oral storytelling tradition that is thousands of generations old in this country and that sovereignty was never ceded. I used to be a bit more explicit with my work, you know, just coming out of VCA and you're like wild and all of that. But then I recognised that, you know, your opportunities are really finite if that's the kind of work you're pushing. Mm. Now I think because I don't care about that anymore, like Mm. I just, you know, this year's just really put a lot of things Mm. in perspective. I'm just going to do it. Mm. And if no one wants to show them, whatever. I want to be the person that I've always wanted to be and I want to be the artist I've always wanted to be. Welcome to A World of One's Own, a podcast where I speak with a series of artists I respect and admire. This time round, it's a special edition of five new episodes commissioned by the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery, featuring artists I've selected from their collection. I'm Ty Snaith, and today I'm speaking with Lily Mae Martin about her work on paper called Wrestling, unpacking how we see the female body, comfort zones, censorship and control. Welcome, Lily. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I was just looking at that big crow up in the tree that took my... And I, I think you would probably appreciate a crow too because you yeah. tend to draw things like that. Yeah, don't birds. You? Birds are amazing. Birds and vaginas. <laughs> oh, it's a good combo. <laughs> yep. But actually the work that we're going to start by talking about in the Mornington collection mm-hmm. is, the, is, is not a bird or a vagina. It's a two women wrestling. Yes. And it's yep. called wrestling. Yeah, it's part of a uh, four works that is different positions of naked women wrestling. Oh, so it's one of four, but they just acquired one. Yes, because oh. that's the one I submitted into the prize. Right, and and it was from which year? I couldn't, I didn't write down the year. It was two thousand fifteen. So that I did that work from around two thousand and fifteen. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, quite large, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, and on paper, of course. Yep. yep. And when you work, you work on paper quite a bit, don't you? Yeah, I do um, because it's really accessible. So because I travelled a lot and then um, had a baby, there's no sort of setting up and having, you know, the space to go in. I kind of just had to do it on the run. So that's just sort of stayed with me. Yeah. Yeah. And pen and ink because you change a little bit, don't you? You've you've gone yeah. through a few materials. I find that if I experiment with different things and go back and forth, I find something new to do with the different mediums. Yeah. So pen and ink, well, pen is mm. like the, the primary um, tool that I use because, again, it's I can travel with that. Yeah. And then I've, you know, been exploring oil painting and watercolour and things like that. And you are actually, I'm going to say it, you are naturally gifted at all of them. It seems like you can't get any medium wrong because you, you, Thank you. you, have, you, you have an amazing eye. You should see me do clay. Oh, <laughs> we'll wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you also have a really interesting way of looking at, um, of, at bodies, I think, mm-hmm. that almost comes, well, to me, it comes through as a type of sometimes quite grotesque. Yep. Is that something you think about when you're making work? Um, yes, I think um, the female body is 
has always been sort of political and I think it's either depicted as this romantic form or grotesque. You know, there's the the love-hate thing between women's bodies. That's kind of how I viewed it sort of growing up in the imagery that you see of women. Um, And so I wanted to sort of own that and play with that. And so the wrestling... The wrestling one, mm-hmm. is is it the same woman wrestling herself? No, no, they're um, two life models that um, they they are amazing. I've hired them a couple of times and they've done sort of naked dancing, naked wrestling, wow. naked piggybacking. So, yeah, wow. we have a lot of fun. That's so cool because it almost looks, they're similar looking, right? Like they yeah. both have long kind of stringy hair yep, yep. and they're both quite heavy set and tough muscular. looking. Yeah, muscular yeah, yeah. And, and kind of almost look like a similar type of person. Yeah, yeah. Um, so since starting to work with life models, so I st- that's when I started using other people's bodies other than just my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I can never sort of have people that I don't have some kind of experience or, I guess, relationship with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's always that experience comes into the work as well. Yeah, that's really interesting because it's like you, you you did draw yourself for quite a while, like you've drawn yourself a lot, haven't you? So much. <laughs> because it's a readily accessible kind of um, subject, isn't it? Yeah, and I also like the idea of sort of thinking about sort of the long term of work. Sometimes I think people just focus too much on the here and now and yeah. it's sort of like um, I like depicting the whole, sorry to use this word, journey. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, like I really started that in the last year of VCA because I remember seeing a photo of myself and I like had this full like loathing of looking at myself and I thought I just got to explore that right and I've just kept at it and then going through motherhood going through surgeries like all those sort of things it's a document yeah yeah Yeah. and and have you noticed that as you've got older you've become okay more okay with yourself drawing yourself um I don't know I think it's pretty fraught so just a bit different yeah. yeah, just a different type of not yeah. okay. <laughs> just a different type of not okay. That's a beautiful way to put it. I think um, I've been very confronted, like I used to be very confronted by not looking like what I wanted to look like and then going through like I had a dreadful birth experience mm. and that like I felt like my body was destroyed and mm. so trying to um, explore that and, yeah. That's heavy. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's good. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think it really relates to, to women's bodies because it yeah. does completely change the way you see yourself. Like yeah. all of a sudden you see yourself as I found it really confronting as well because yeah. when, especially when you've been sort of the same size since you were sort of 15 or 16 mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're like this alien oh mutating. Goodness. I found it really confronting and I actually hated it. But I hated it too and mm. I felt sick all the time and I have. I felt like I had no control, mm, and so that, and so um, powerless, mm. which was awful. Especially when you're a control freak, like well, me. Well, and me too. <laughs> yeah. Your work suggests yes. that you might like you'd like to control the line. I, I do like controlling. <laughs> yes. And do you ever push yourself sort of out of that so you have no control making work or less control? Yeah. How do you do that? Um, I try. I mean, badly. Um, (laughs) but it's still something I'm striving for. And especially at the moment, this this year has just pushed me out of all comfort zones and Mm. on all levels. 
Um, so mostly sort of watercolour at the moment because that's kind of the go-to. It's non-toxic. I can mm. do it at home. Yeah, so I want to sort of let the medium have a bit more control, not not too much, but yeah. a little. It's yeah. funny because we just spoke to Fiona McMonigal uh, mm-hmm. last week and Fantastic. we talked all about this, you know, like the medium controlling things. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with your pen and ink it's very much about you know, it is about the tightness of those drawings and it's kind of what you've you've made for yourself is that sort of, it's really identifiable, your work. Like it's yeah. really, you can, without knowing, even from a distance, I could be like, oh, that's one of Lily's drawings. So it's quite quite iconic. So there's yeah. then if you try and push out of that, you lose that tightness or will you try and get the tightness back into watercolour, do you think? Um, I'm not quite sure. It's all still pretty new. I should also say that um, I've been exploring, well, before lockdown, um, I was exploring different surfaces like drawing oh. on um, perspex and painting on aluminium. So I'm still, um, because I've just come out of a big project mm-hmm. um, at the end of last year and I tend to take some time to explore. That's kind of been destroyed by this year, but that's okay. <laughs> Everything has been Everything's destroyed. Everything's been but... destroyed. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that was one of my questions I wanted to ask is how important is technique and discipline to you? So how, you know, is subject the first thing or is technique the first thing for you? Um, technique. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And discipline because it's it really grounds me. Mm. And um, people say that I'm patient. I am not patient. <laughs> I'm obsessive. Yeah. They're very different. Um, and so in terms of that obsessiveness, because I've looked at lots of your journals and you have like lots of books and journals and things that you document everything from like cups of tea to mm. other people and, you know, animals to your daughter. It, it seems that, you know, nothing's out of the question for you to draw. Is it compulsive activity for you, though, to draw? Mm, I would say so. I mean, this year has really rocked me and... Um, this is the first time I've ever had that block to not draw, mm. which oh. was scary. Um, so, like, when I was really unwell um, in Berlin for years, I still drew and wrote through that time. Mm. But this year, that's probably the first time I've ever had it sort of shut down. And how did you get back into, I assume you've got back into drawing, or you're sort of in the process? Um, I'm sort of in the process. I'm not happy with anything I make. Um, I'm only really happy with um, I've been doing some watercolours that are um, a bit more I'm letting go a little bit with Mm. it and focusing on um, genitalia and I'm just really enjoying how it translates in that medium. So Mm. um, I think I've got something in that but I'm a bit caught up with trying to build my life. Around that. Oh, well, you know, know life. Trying to build my life back up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, everyone has this other thing, don't you? Like as yeah. artists you wish you could just focus on the work. Yeah. But then there's life that sneaks into the edges and makes you, you know, demands your attention sometimes. And well, I think as a wife and a yeah. wife and a mother, that's that's you know, it's just taken over everything. So mm. by the same token, I I think if I just had time to make art, I don't think I'd handle that very well. So Yeah, and we were talking a bit before we started this conversation is that if you don't have that experience going on in the background of, 
your life, then you sort of doesn't come through in the, you know, your life comes through in your work mm. as well. Yeah. And those ideas of sort of identity or uh, wrestling with yourself and your and how you see yourself, they come through because of the li- the person that you are, the life that you're living. Yeah. But we were also saying that you've you've made the decision to go into a new profession yeah. al- along being, uh, with being an artist. So you'll never yeah. le- lose being an artist. But do you want to talk a little bit about that decision? Yeah, so I have just been accepted into a Bachelor of Nursing for next year. Um, I work in art. I got a new job at the start of this year in arts and disability and had an experience of like a slight nursing component and it just triggered something off in me. Mm. And after lockdown one, um, I lost all of my work and that really, really devastated me. And I just got to a point where I was like, because I've known for years I've wanted to do something different mm. and the contract work and the casual work is not its not good for my no. sense of um, independence and sense of self. Mm. So I thought at this point I've, I've got to make a change mm. and now's the year to do it. So mm. I went back and did a bridging course and I studied maths. Whoa. I know. <laughs> and I passed an algebra test. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, like just. But like, <laughs> you know, from someone who didn't really finish year nine maths, that was, yeah, I That's was great. really proud. Hmm. But I, I've always had a real fascination with anatomy and the mm. human body and all those details. Mm. So I, 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 like, I just can't wait. Mm. Yeah. And I can't wait to see how that feeds into what you make. You yeah. Know, that on this, because I think it's something that we don't often talk about as artists or even in the media around um, being an artist is that most artists have a second job or yeah. do something else alongside their practice because mm-hmm. re- realistically it's hard to live otherwise. And even if it's still using your creativity in that second job, you have a job that pays money, whether you're teaching or like yeah. I write books and there's yeah. other things that you do. But with nursing feeding into your practice, it's going to be really fascinating to see how those those things inform what you draw. Yeah. You know, you'll probably stick to bodies, but it may become about that sort of nurse-patient relationship, which yeah. will be fascinating. Yeah, and I want to work in palliative care as well. That's a really, um, that's an area that really, really interests me. And I guess um, on many levels, uh, my father-in-law passed away a few years ago and we'd moved up to sort of allow, create the support for him to pass away in his home. And so much of that reminded me of caring for a newborn Mm -hmm. and it was a real privilege to be there and it's just so important that everybody at that point feels loved and secure and safe Mm. and I don't think we honour that passage of Mm. life enough. I think everyone's so scared of it that their fear overtakes what somebody who is dying needs. So, yeah. yeah. But you've also drawn quite a lot of um, women in the early stages of having a child or pregnancy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I know you have like a do- a lot of documents of photographs of people in those stages mm-hmm. and so there's obviously some connection or fascination with birth as well as death right yeah yep. and so drawing those women like I know I'm thinking about the one you did of Clementine Ford mm-hmm. recently mm-hmm. and I quite I was quite fascinated by that picture because she doesn't look like super happy in mm-hmm. the picture and 
it looks awkward almost, yeah. which I thought that was a really tricky thing to portray of a mother yeah. and child because often mother and child's portrayed as this kind of like glowing, like happy. Yeah. And as a mother who's had a newborn, you realise there's actually a whole lot of other complexities around that. And and that picture for me portrayed that. Good. Yeah. Is that Great. something that you can see or think about when you're... Um. So you know the Nora Heisen yeah. painting um, in the Art Gallery of Ballarat and it's of a mother just holding this baby and her hair's sort of yeah. sticking out and <laughs> that's one of my all-time favourite paintings. Awesome. Um, and my relationship with um, motherhood is very, very tricky, was mm. very, very tricky. Now I'm better and I'm on it. I'm just such a better mother these days. But um, I just... I just didn't feel and never have really felt um, a connection to how other people portray or talk about motherhood. Mm. I don't know. I tried to bring in not just my experience but just try and absorb what I see and sort of put it in in the work. Mm. So, you know, there are beautiful, amazing moments yep. but we have to, I think, there needs to be space for all the other Mm. feelings and events that happen. Definitely. Yeah. And you might think you were a bad mother, but I'm sure you were a perfectly fine mother. No, I wasn't, <laughs> but I hung in there and I got myself better. So I was really unwell for my, yeah. the first, I'd say, six years of my daughter's life. So, mm. yeah. But you have a really strong relationship with her now, don't I you? I do. I yeah. do. She's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> And sometimes they sort of help you through in a way, don't they? Like you end up learning a bit from them, I found. Um, I've learned so much and still learn so much for, from her. Um, and just the way they observe the world and mm. joy, I mm. think she brought joy back to my life. Mm, that's not, so... not think. I know she brought yeah. joy back to my life. Um, and I think it's a real privilege to have children in our lives. Definitely. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and because some of the things I'm thinking of that you've drawn of her, you know, like holding an animal or like just even her hair, like all the beautiful drawings you've done of braids of her hair, and they're so perfect. But you can tell it's from this kind of adoration of, of girlhood, which yeah. um, is nice to remember being yeah. a little girl because yeah. if, I feel like we forget it so yeah. often. Yeah, it's, it, um, yeah. I don't know how heavy you want to get, but I feel like my girlhood was taken when I was mm. really young. So I've always been very protective over the idea of like my daughter just being able to be a kid mm. and, you know, explore and revel in childhood. Yeah. So it's really important to me. Oh, that's so beautiful. And that's something that, I mean, that's why you should be, you are a mother because you get to give that to her. Yeah. Something that, and I feel like we're all doing that a bit, aren't we? Like, yeah. You yep. remember bad bits of your childhood and you think, oh, I'm not going to do that. Yep. But then you think, oh, what bad bits am I doing to I know, <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, we, we're a separate generation so we're never going to be perfect. Like, perfect no one's all. ever perfect. No. <laughs> but I do think except that. children. Except children. <laughs> and then they, they get unperfect as they uh, get yep, older. Yep, yep. <laughs> I do think that some artists, it's one thing I found in common with lots of artists that I speak to is this kind of, attempts to control perfection or, you know, and I see that in your work and, and identify with it. And mm -hmm. I think it's really, sometimes it can be completely debilitating. God, yes. <laughs> How do you deal with sort of that self-criticism or, um, you know, block around that? Um, I don't usually have blocks until 
this year, but um, <laughs> I I find that my practice is driven by producing and making work. So um, sometimes I do have moments, usually like when I've worked really hard on a piece and I'm so like I've got half an hour and it would be finished mm. and I go, no, nah, it's no good. I'm not working on it anymore. Um, but I tend to go back to it and just push through that mm. last painful moment and then, you know, just push it out there. I mean, it's just about the most important aspect to me is making the work and I have to override the perfectionism. So. That's really, that's such good, that's a great thing to hear because yeah. I feel like a lot of people probably give up at that point yeah. where they think this is shit yeah. and then they don't pick it up again. I know I do a lot or yeah. you put it in a drawer and then, yeah. but it's, the integral bit is to sort of quiet that voice, right, and just keep pushing through with whatever mm. thing you can get in. It's almost a, a meditative practice, isn't it, to, like, get in the moment of drawing, yep. forget what your brain's saying. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but also I think, you know, in those moments when you get so emotional, it's good to step away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just step away, have a cup of tea, come back tomorrow morning, yep. finish. Yeah, and, you, and you've also been, I mean, this is, kind of personal and you don't need to talk about it if you don't, but I'm interested in it just from my own personal point of view. Um, you've been really, uh, you've come through a big evolution of with your own body, like you've stopped drinking and mm-hmm. um, got m- much more into sort of exercise and health and things. Mm-hmm. And how did that affect your um, practice? Made me better, mm. made me so much better. I mean, it's made me a better human. It's made me a better artist. Um, I just think that like drinking and all that sort of thing just absorbs so much of your time and your life. And I think it took me a few years to get there. So um, when I was giving birth to Anya, I nearly died. And I have just had that sort of struggle with how much time gets wasted. Hmm. And I think, you know, there's such a strong drinking culture. And I think Part of me was really afraid to stop that because then no one invites you out. And trust me, no one invites you out. (laughs) But um, I just don't care now because I can just, like, draw all the time. (laughs) You've got no reason to leave. And and also, like, it doesn't, doesn't, like, you just get so much healthier and you just feel the drive to do things. So, And do you feel stronger and uh, less negative about yourself? Um. Look, it's different, as yeah. I said before, but um, I I have more control and better management. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, because some, sometimes I feel like I wish I could stop drinking, but yeah. I'm, I'm not quite there yet. But yeah. I go through phases and sometimes I think I just waste so much time being hungover yeah. that I'm not productive when I'm hungover and I'm not a very good parent and mm-hmm. I'm not a very good partner. But then yeah. I just go back into the, the old yeah, cycle. No, it's, it's, it's a really, that was one of the, most challenging um, processes, but mm. it's the most one of the most important things I've ever done. Mm. So it's really inspiring. I hope, hopefully, I mean, it's inspiring for me. Was mm. watching you do that and thinking oh, I could do that. I'm still not quite there, but yeah. I, I I think it's great to talk about because I think a lot of artists appreciate their time and their body and their mm. mental health, and I think that is one thing we all tend to suffer from. So lifestyle creeps in, and you end up doing stuff that just wastes your time. It's precious, isn't it? It's so precious. And Mm. I think especially sort of the culture of the arts, there's just so much Mm. alcohol in it. Um, 
So, and you know, like whenever I'm interact, like I'm terrible with social stuff. That's why I never go out. <laughs> I mean, this year's been great in that respect for me. But um, I, you know, I'm so nervous, mm. and then the alcohol's there, and it's just like I've had some of the worst experiences of my wow. life with those two things coming together. Well, and also like being comfortable with sort of people going well. Lily doesn't drink, not going to invite her to this because we want to drink. Mm. And, you know, that fear of sort of not being included. Like mm. people often think of that for children, but like we all have that. Mm. And so <clears throat> I think just being comfortable with myself mm. and my own company was also really good. Yeah. yeah. And as an, I mean, you sort of come across as a bit of an introvert that like <laughs> a productive introvert. Thank Which you. I always, I'm always attracted to productive introverts. It's like, yeah, they're such cool, interesting people because yeah. you can be on your own and you don't need, you know, not not recognition. Like you still need recognition, yeah. But you don't need that constant, um, you know, s- approval from yeah. another person. Yeah, and I think that um, I still feel like being an introvert, um, you're sort of treated like you're a bit wrong. For that, and there's a lot of pressure to engage mm. with things and be part of things, and I find that tension um, deeply overwhelming. Mm. But I'm, I'm, since you know, being more in control of my life, I'm getting better at saying no mm. and kindly but firmly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I find saying no extremely hard. Yes, like even everybody when it, does, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. But how good does it feel when you say no to something that yes. you really don't want to do that yeah. maybe five years ago you would have gone, oh, yeah, I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a very powerful thing saying yeah. no, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I guess I just wanted to talk about where you can see um, your future, you know, like going with your work. Is there something that you haven't yet achieved yet that you can imagine doing in the future? Oh, gosh, Ty. Um, I have no idea, to be honest with you. I hope that's not a disappointing answer. No. But this year's just like everything's just been, you know, just exploded and changed and so I I don't know. I um, used to be so ambitious about being in exhibitions, um, being in prizes, exhibiting work overseas, Mm. you know, like going for grants that I'm never going to get. Um, (laughs) That's not true. It's so true. (laughs) People don't like someone just painting pubes and vaginas, trust me. (laughs) Can't market it. What's wrong with them? I know, right? (laughs) I know. But but that's also something that I felt like really restricted by. Yeah. But because of this year, I'm just like, that's where I'm going to go. See, and so in some ways it's this year's allowed you, even though you feel like it's been a big thing. very confronting. Yeah, yeah, but it's allowed you to make that decision, which is like. Yeah, yeah. And then it's also allowed you to make some big life decisions. Yes. Which you yeah. probably wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. So it could be, the if you look at it in a different light, it could be the best thing that's ever happened this year to you. Yeah, it was, it is yeah. hard, but I feel like it's right. So, and so with the pubes and vaginas, because that's mm-hmm. obviously what you're working on. That's not not public yet. So I'm going to go there. Oh no, you should see my latest Instagram story, oh. the one before Wally. Oh, oh yeah. I'll have I'll go Hashtag back. Hashtag egg. Okay, I'll have a look at that. <laughs> um, how how do you go with ideas of censorship around that stuff? Like, is that something you want to push, or is that how are you going to deal with that when you're confronted with that, with showing those works? And well, I think that's that's where I'm at. I mean. 
I used to be a bit more explicit with my work, um, you know, just coming out of VCA and you're like wild and all mm. of that. Um, but then I recognised that, you know, your opportunities are really finite if that's the kind of work you're pushing. Mm. Now I think because I don't care about that anymore, <laughs> like mm. I just, you know, this year's just really put a lot of things mm. in perspective. I'm just going to do it. Mm. And if no one wants to show them, whatever. Yeah. Like I'm going to paint them. So yeah. I want to be... I want to be the person that I've always wanted to be and I want to be the artist I've always wanted to be. I love it. It's <laughs> so good. Um, and also, who wrote the um, history, the origin of the history of the world? I mean, drew, drew it, painted it. Painted it. Is that called? Gustav. Gustav Corbet. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, I remember going to see that in Paris and Same. I was like, I, lo- I went just to that museum to see that work. <laughs> yeah. And there was like a line of people photographing it and sharing it and posting it. Yeah. There's like postcards of it and yeah. it's just a woman's vagina yeah. basically. It's like All if natural and yeah, but it's like the main focus. I think, <laughs> I think that um, I, I should read up on the, the history of that painting. I think it was heavily censorshiped. Oh, um, would have at the time. And, yeah. but it's just oh, the pubes on that. It's so good. Oh my gosh, the pubes! But, and then, um, and, and it's then, all referenced in sort of popular memes as well. There's yeah. something on Instagram I saw. <gasps> someone's made it out of vegetables. Yes. I saw that. It yes. was so good. I know. You it's know, so good. And I did a I did a drawing <laughs> that referenced it as well. It awesome. got like sold like that. So it was really good. and then there was also the um, Duchamp that famous Duchamp work where he made the. It was like a peep, a peeping tong, like a peep hole, a peep wall. show, glory peep, hole. Yeah, and you <laughs> yes. had to look through it and then he just had that painting like in the background and you yeah. had to sort of squint your eye, but he yep. built this whole installation of that. Yep. So that work is quite sort of symbolic, even though it's really natural when you think about it. It's yeah. symbolic of a whole way of, that we look at women and their parts but also a way that painting can romanticise things. I think it was painted around the time where photography was quite new. Yeah. But, you know, we're used to seeing images cropped like that Mm -hmm. because of media and pornography and all of that. But I think for the time... It was radical. Yeah, that cropping is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess these um, these pubes that your, your, you know, genitalia that you're painting is male and female? Uh, it's mostly female. That's yeah. the experience I can speak to. Yeah. So, yeah. And also I just feel like, um, uh, you know, even like I know women are depicted in art throughout, you know, history, yeah. um, but I just feel like the vagina yeah. is just not explored enough. And I think also like our medical um, information and history is yeah. heavily informed by white men and what yeah. happens to the white man's body. Um, so, you know, and, like, they're all so different. Mm. It's just going to take me a while to feel like I've resolved this body of work, I reckon. Amazing. <laughs> it's, it reminds me of that amazing work at the uh, at Mona, the cast. I've not ever you haven't seen, seen it? Mona. Oh, I can't remember the artist's Bad. name, but it was actually a man, which is a bit annoying. But um, <laughs> it was, like, 150 different vulvas but, yeah, cast. Yeah, I had quite a few people that yeah. I know who who did that. Yeah. yeah. I loved it. I spent so much time looking at them and going, oh, wow, 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 yeah. wow. You're like, oh, my God, it's so cool. Yeah, yep. Everything's so different. Yeah. But it is, it's true. I mean, anatomically it's kind of crazy that, like, the clitoris was only properly, you know, what do you call that, annotated or drawn in, like, the 90s? Well, um, interesting <laughs> with, with that. Um, I was um, 
commissioned to do um, a, a project with a sex therapist a number of years ago, mm-hmm. um, the Atlas of Erotic Anatomy, mm-hmm. and I got pictures of cadavers to study and everything. Wow. It was, it was amazing. Anyway, um, and uh, the clitoris is still like I drew I drew it to the best of information that we had at the time, mm. but um, I'm not sh- like the research just still, still going. Yeah, it's just still not there, which is wild to so me. So wild. Yeah. So wild that they can, you know, make <laughs> synthetic human body parts and stuff and yet yeah. still not have documented that fully. What is wrong with <laughs> us? <laughs> well, hopefully your crossover going into nursing um, and medical stuff will mm-hmm. bridge this interesting sort of new. I'm really excited to see what you make through that. I think it's going to completely drive you in a new yeah. direction, which yep. is a good thing. It's going to yep. be awesome. Um and so just finally, before we wind up, I just wanted to ask you a little bit, a, b- a bit more about that um, drawing that's in the collection that we're looking at now mm-hmm. at Mornington. When I looked at it, it made me think about wrestling uh, with myself or like two women wrestling, what that symbol symbolises to you. Like what mm-hmm. what did those four works sort of mean to you when you made them? Um, I got really interested in sort of depicting the female nude differently and I like bringing a bit of absurdity and humour into my work. So I didn't think too much about the self-wrestling or mm. or that, but that's that's very in, a very interesting perspective. Um, but it was more about I just feel like women are not depicted as full human beings and that we have a sense of humour and we can be absurd. I mean... Mm. Yeah, I just feel like I haven't seen that and that's a really that's a really important aspect of my identity. Mm. Just like my just my mind is all over the place mm. and likes to go in really funny areas. So mm. yeah, I just wanted to So do you see it as funny that work? Yes, I do. See, that's so interesting. <laughs> I don't see it as funny at all. No. That's because like um <laughs> the darkness just tends to like I was a goth I feel like I'm still a goth inside so you know it just still and also the hair yeah over the faces because um I started doing that with my works because it made people my models and stuff more comfortable oh wow and that's really obscure their identity obscure their identity but also I found that whenever I was doing sort of nude works people were trying to go oh is that such and (gasps) such and is that such and such and it's like it's not about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is about identity, but like a bit more general rather than the individual. So you see it almost as like like a kind of dark slapstick or something. That wrestling. Yeah, like a bit. I, <laughs> I, I maybe thinking not about dark, it like that. But um, uh, I'm not good with words. That's why I draw. But um, <laughs> yeah, like there's the wrestling, the naked piggybacking, the naked dancing. Um, lately there's an egg. Like I just want to yeah. push, um, I guess you'd say absurdity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that just even the absurdity of being naked these days is like enough, you know, that yeah. that symbolises a type of freedom that's almost on the edge of like, you know, people hardly ever naked anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see the other four. Maybe we can, um, uh, did someone else buy the other three? No, but if you want to. Can we can. show them all? <laughs> Um, they're, yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, they're at Scott Livesey. Okay. Yeah, and they're on his website as well under my name, so. 
Well, I think at that point I'm excited to now, you know, send the gallery an email and say I've had this new idea. Yeah, cool. And um, I feel like we've covered so many really interesting subjects today about the body and about, you know, just humour in the body but also seriousness, medical things, you know, that the female body is not just a child-bearing machine. It's also a political machine and it's also like you know, a, a place of humour, which I love thinking about that with your work now. I didn't really know oh, that cool. about you. So yeah. hopefully we, um, hopefully some other people have, have read something new into that work as well. Cool. And I really look forward to hanging it uh, with you and having you in the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ty. Oh, it was a pleasure. Mm. What a fascinating insight into Lily's practice that was. Now I can't look at this particular drawing without thinking about the humour and absurdity implicit in the image. I really identified with Lily's description of pushing through self-loathing to find a place where I can be comfortable with myself, my body and my own company. Lily's obsessiveness when it comes to technique and her description of pushing past perfectionism was also very useful to hear. I can't wait to see how the nature of her subject matter evolves in the future. I'm definitely staying tuned. This special edition series of A World of One's Own was commissioned by the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery as part of their 50th year celebrations. Audio production by Camilla Hannon and music by Fia, spelt P-H-I-A, from her album The Ocean of Everything. All five new episodes can be found on the MPRG website and your favourite podcast player. The exhibition will run from the 4th of March 2021 until the end of April. To hear more episodes of A World of One's Own, visit tysnaith.com.